The Jericho Network on Westwood One. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pot of thunder and rock and roll. The People's Podcast has arrived on a Friday. And today, a interesting guest, interesting subject. I got uh, Annie Lobert, who has formed a ministry called Hookers for Jesus. She's a former high-class call girl, rock star car call girl who worked in Vegas. And she wrote a crazy book about the life she led called Fallen. It's the name she used as a call girl. Uh, maybe it's Fallon, Fallon. I'm not sure how she was uh, pronounced it as a call girl. We'll find out. She founded the uh, organization Hookers for Jesus with a goal to get all call girls, escorts, and hookers off the street and onto a better path. She's talking all about her own experiences being beaten, uh, nearly killed on multiple occasions, having guns pulled on her, being locked in the trunk of a car, how she finally got out of the life and got Hookers for Jesus started. She's married to a striper guitar player, Oz Fox. He makes a cameo as well. But before we get going for, with Annie and her inspirational uh, story, let me say thanks to all of you for supporting the great sponsors of this podcast. That's why I'm able to do two episodes for you for free every single week. And one sponsor I talk about all the time because I live it, I love it, I use it, I believe in it, and I believe it can help you as well. Of course, I'm talking about DDP Yoga and the amazing new DDP Yoga Now app. And if you still haven't given Diamond Dallas Page's fitness program extraordinaire a try, order it now at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. And if you do, you'll receive three free months of the DDP Yoga Now app, okay? I use the app all the time. It's how I do my DDP Yoga. And that's why I'm in the best shape of my life and having some of the best matches of my career. Career resurgence. People are saying this is the best Jericho since the 2008-2010 uh, uh, big words, suit-wearing Jericho. And I got to agree with you. I'm having a great time and uh, still doing what I think is, is great work. Uh, thanks in part to DDP Yoga. Um, it's been also amazing since I've been on the road so much. Like I said, 40 or 50 hours of travel in the last uh, 10 days or so uh, just on the airplane. And so uh, the DDP Yoga keeps me fresh, keeps me in form, keeps me loose. And I don't have to lug the DVDs around or a DVD player so I can uh, watch them. I just use the app on the phone, the DDP Yoga Now app, and do yoga wherever I am, hotel, backstage, um, at home, wherever it may be. It's so easy. Uh, you're going to love the DDP Yoga Now app as much as I do. Got all the workouts on it. You can also do live workouts from the DDP Yoga Performance Center. Tons of nutrition tips, inspiration stories, and videos. You can even access cooking shows so you can see how to prepare healthier meals for yourself. The DDP Yoga Now app is available at iTunes and Google Play and when you go download it you'll see all the amazing reviews it's getting take advantage of the special offer DDP has given all of you sexy beast listeners of Talk is Jericho order DDP Yoga at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho you'll get three free months of the DDP Yoga Now app get started today at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho get in the best shape of your life DDP can take you there uh, and I want to see you do it ddpyoga.com slash Jericho give it a shot today okay so um I'm here with Annie Lobert from Hookers for Jesus, which is the best title ever. I mean, you must ever. get so much people interested. Just like, I what the hell it. is that even? What That's is it? right. That's you right. Know? People come up to me. Um, are you 
selling your body for Jesus? Are you hooking for Jesus? I'm like, actually, I am. I'm a fisherwoman for people that are drowning. Well, what kind of people? Well, why don't you put the name together? Hookers for Jesus. For hookers, okay? Right. And anyone else that wants to join the party, whether it be a pimp or a guy that buys sex, which is a trick. So Now, this is all based on your whole – you wrote this uh, riveting book, harrowing book, amazing book, uplifting. It's everything that's called Fallen. And um, I'm not sure exactly how we, I even came in contact with this book. I know we've met before, but I think maybe you told me about it or I just saw it or whatever it was. But I read this thing, and what a story. Like, unbelievable. You really read it, Chris. Absolutely, I did. I love it. Even tw- I even bought it, and then you sent me one, but I'd already bought it. Okay. But you autographed it, so I put that in my collection. Oh, that's awesome. you got to support, right? Yeah. So, um, what, what what a book and what a story you have to to become hookers for Jesus because you were a prostitute. Right. And the funny thing is we're in Las Vegas at the Luxor and you know the, we're in the top floor, 22nd floor suite, and you know this this exact suite? I know these sections of this hotel. Wow. So the last time I was actually up here was I was turning, they call it turning a trick, but I was on a call because I was a high class call girl. Mm-hmm. And... Any men that used to call us from these type of rooms always had big money. You know, you could tell them, it's 5000 And they would look at you, look, I have about $3,500 cash on you. You'd say, okay, well, you need to take your bank card and go downstairs and get the rest. And, and a lot of the times, the men, they would negotiate their businessmen just like I was. I was a businesswoman. And you would just try to get the best money that you could for what you were going to do because... I'm the type of person, if I'm going to do any type of job, whether it was being a call girl or a high-class prostitute, it was I'm going to make the best money and be the best salesperson and offer the best service that I could. Because, you know, if you have the best service, you know, the the best, excellent, whatever you're doing, you're going to be very prosperous. And I was, unfortunately, the only reason why I didn't end up, you know, retiring out of that business, a very wealthy woman is because I had my heart lead me around like a puppet, basically, because I was in love with men that abused me, mm-hmm. which happens to a lot of the girls, about 80, 80 90 percent. And let me ask this first of all. So if you're talking about, let's say, a stripper, it's usually a dancer. That's the, the preferred nomenclature. I was that, for, too. For a prostitute, though, what's, is it call girl? What's the word that you would use? Like, is prostitute an insulting word? or is, is It was to me. I would never, ever consider myself a prostitute So it's a then. call girl? Of course. That's who high I class, thought I was. Right. High class call girl. Escort. Oh, I'm an escort. Escort. Gotcha. Do you have sex or money? No. I make deals with men. I negotiate mm. my time to be paid for. And you never really would admit that to actually anyone on the outside world. You would never admit that you have sex for money. But in a private conversation with someone you're selling it to, of course, you're going to say, okay, I'll do what you need me to do in essence. But of course, even not the police, because the police, you know, you don't want to ever let them know what you're really doing, even though they knew you and the police officer, if you've read my book, that arrested me a lot was Bill Young, and he became the sheriff later on in life in Las Vegas. But he used to see me, and he would chase me through the casinos. Really? <laughs> yeah, and he'd say, Bear, I'd hide in the bathrooms, and I'd, I got away from him many times, actually. Because they know, they must know your faces after a while. Cause they do. Because there's only so many hotels to hang around in. Yeah. It's a small town. I mean, right. we have a little city here. It's a couple million people. So. And you were like, you know, you were like a rock star in, in, in your world. You were, you talk about high price. Like you were at the top of the ladder in Vegas being an escort, which is known for having thousands of escorts And the, in the prettiest town. girls. And the prettiest girls, right. So, you know, our town, and it still is this way. We have 
the cream of the crop here as far as women. Women come from all over the world to work here just for the weekend sometimes. Mm-hmm. Just maybe uh, for a convention for two weeks. Our, our town is a town of many destinations of many different people. Mm-hmm. Vegas is like a mecca for entertainment. And obviously, we are the adult Disneyland. I still love Vegas. I love it even more now because I have such a passion and a love for people that I want to help them see the truth why they're doing what they're doing and, and how it can end up really bad if they don't quit. They'll mm-hmm. get killed probably. Most of the time, people come here believing that prostitution's absolutely legal and it's not. And they ha- they're under the assumption that, you know, these girls, you know, are just these great women that are beautiful, are living this like, you know, life of the rich and famous and their life is just in a mansion somewhere and they travel and mm-hmm. everything's just hunky-dory. But, the truth behind the mask of Las Vegas is the fact that there's always a manager behind one of these ladies, these beautiful women that are selling themselves. And there are independents out there. I was one for a while, but there's a high percentage. I'd say probably 80, 80% have sex traffickers and they're puppet, puppet mastering most of their moves is that they make. basically, for lack of a better term, a pimp? Yes. That's Yeah. That, that's, the, that's the modern past, I would say... 16 years since Tipa Law uh, coined term the phrase sex trafficking in 2000. That's what it is termed now, but they still call pimps pimps. Mm. You know, the police refer to men that are sex traffickers pimps and the street itself. Us girls in this that used to be, when I used to hang out with all my friends, and the terms that we use in the street is we call them peas, which is P for pimp. <laughs> I think everyone knows that term now, but. Back then, it was our separate language, our separate code. It wasn't anyone else's language. We, we had our own special dictionary. So whenever we talked, no one understood what we were talking about. Oh, right. It's like code. It's just like, okay, James Bond. It's kind of cool. Yeah. You know he, he's got his special codes, and the spies have their special language that they have to use. Even SEAL Team 6 does. Our government does, right? Mm-hmm. So in the street, in, it's called the game. We have a special language. It's changing all the time, by the way, because they have to, because they have to not be the same. They have to shape shift so the police don't find out what they're doing. Right, because they'll learn out what the, what the right. word is. and then Just like the mob. The mob, same way. Wow. We all know the, the terms of the mob because we've all been addicted to a show, a couple mob shows on television, <laughs> right, yeah, and yeah. movies, right? So um, that's really interesting. People need to understand that this is a real lifestyle, and it's it's now I don't consider it underground anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and what you're talking about here, too, let me just clarify this for people that don't know is this is 15 years ago and prior that you were the rock star of escorts and now you are for lack of I'm a rock star wife rock star wife yeah right and rock star <laughs> uh, 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 your husband Oz is here Oz Fox is here um, are you walking the streets to, to talk to these girls now that I are, love doing that so so, yes. so tell, like we're, we're, you got a whole story that we'll talk about but for right now in this day and age hookers for Jesus is your ministry it is. of trying to protect and get these girls these escorts off the streets yes so when you're walking down the street do they know you some of them do but in fact walking in here Chris I already saw three girls working out oh right they stick out like a sort to me they stick out like a sore thumb to you you might because you're a man men kind of see things in women especially if they've been seasoned a while in life and they're not a, a 20 year old maybe in their 40s or 50s they see women but you can tell when someone's working and especially the, okay right now it's about what four four fifteen four thirty yeah so there's girls out right now as we speak 
Now, it's sunny out, right? Normally, they'd say, they're women of the night. No. 24-7 in Vegas. So the girls that are working right now, all three of the girls I saw, no heels. One had a Well, they're blending in. Oh, they're 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 the obvious. invisible ladies. Yeah, they're they're not going to let you see who they are. The tourists, only the men that are single by themselves. You know, they're looking for some fun, and these girls are looking to make some money, mm-hmm. and they are driven not just by the money itself, but they're driven by the love or the respect they have for someone that's controlling them. Wow. Which is insane because you could make so much money and you always think, I'll always make this money. Like, it will never leave me. Like, I will always be beautiful. I'll just have plastic surgery. I'll just change this. I'll just grow my butt. I'll just get some bigger boobs. I'll just put um, 10 eyelashes on or I'll just get a nose job or I'll just get like a cheek implant. But the thing is and the reality is is that your body still is going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. And there has to come a time in your life that you have to change what you're doing because it's going to kill you eventually. Right. And not only just the age factor, but we have venereal diseases. We have people that beat you up, the sex traffickers, Mm. the men that are buying the girls. I don't care if it's in a beautiful suite. I was raped in a beautiful suite with a gun to my head. Hmm. You can die. Like seriously, I've had 16 friends to date that have died that I knew that are from the sex industry. 16. Died like on calls? Tragically, or? yes, on calls. Cancer, uh, murder, hmm. uh, suicide. Wow. Yeah. A, a couple things. So, first of all, just to get back to the girls that you saw, no heels, what were the other? other Flip-flops. Flip-flops. Yeah. So that was the evidence yeah. that you saw? And just the fact of where they're placed in the casino or the time of day? or It's just, the, you know, honestly, that you could be anywhere and see them. Even walking on the strip itself, just walking to the bathroom. I see a lot of girls in the bathroom. Women are women that go into the bathroom. We're just, we're girly girls. We have to always check ourselves in the mirror. And there's always someone washing their hands and then fixing their makeup. And when they pause at the vanity for too long and they're kind of pausing, looking at their cell phone, they're stalling. They're waiting for someone mm. or they don't want to go back out there. They want to rest for a little bit. Mm. And and that's what I used to do. I used to stall in the bathroom because I needed just like, it was like my office. Right. I just needed to get away from people for a while. Or I was hiding from vice, security, police, you know, maybe my pimp. Hmm. That's the only place you can have any pieces in the bathroom. Basically, it's the yeah. best place to hide. Let me ask you this: You said that you were raped in a, in a suite. Is were you on a were you on a call? I was. So how do you get raped when, when you weren't ready or you didn't want to do what the guy wanted you to do? Or and and this happened several times. But I did talk about one of the instances in my book. But I did have another instance at another hotel where the man did not have a weapon and he used his hands. Obviously, he choked me and. People wouldn't think that it would happen in Las Vegas or it wouldn't happen in a high-class hotel. But, you know, there's deranged people that rent oh, high-class sure. hotels all the time. Probably they have more money. so. Yeah. If they have some money. They don't care. But, you know, I've, I've met men that have actually – the same guy that was at this other call, the one that had the gun, the first one, they had their own keys for the hotel and they weren't even registered to that hotel room. And wow. what, what I figured out was, and what we what the police were figuring out at the time was, there was someone that had the access to the, the all-key access. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe the computers are way more high-tech now, but back then, they could just get into any room they wanted to. 
just grab a key, stick it in that. Yes. That computer have someone, thing. maybe they're a friend with someone. I wouldn't want to say security, so we're not going to bring up security, <laughs> but maybe someone that's house cleaning or maintenance. Wow. And they have all access at 24 hours. So what does that mean? They just walk in anybody's room? Walk in anyone's room. You've seen it. If you, if you Google anything on YouTube, you've seen people getting ripped off in their nice hotel, four-star, mm. five-star hotel rooms. And they're like, what happened? These guys have access. And sometimes the wrong people are hired and they are criminals actually in the midst of us. So and that relates back to what you're saying that there could be crazy people in these suites. How why did you get raped? How did you get raped? Like, what, what did the guy? What did you not do that forced him to rape you? It's not always the same situation. So, one time a guy choked me. So you're raped multiple times. Yes, different. Like it's I can't remember how many times, but you 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 tend to learn how to get out of it after you, it's been done to you for a while. You learn how to have skills, how to escape, and I I did that as well, mm-hmm. but. When someone's on top of you and you're a tiny female and they are, let's say, 300 pounds and they're choking you and stomping you, it's hard to get away. Mm-hmm. Now, being a person that you are, you'd be like, oh, I'll just do a body slam and I'll just put them in a headlock. Mm-hmm. I'd le- I wish I would have had your knowledge in my <laughs> head back then. But um, you learn after a while skills. And I think women, we know our basic strong suit is kicking someone right in the nuts mm-hmm. and getting away. And I did that a lot, by the way. But there's instances where if you're getting the air choked out of you, there's really, it's really hard for you to get away because you can't catch your breath. You lose consciousness. You wake up and they're on top of you and you're being raped. There's really nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've since learned self-defense methods where I can kick someone off of me mm-hmm. and I can take their gun away and their knife. I mean, I can do anything now. I mean, I've learned it in self-defense class, but I wish I would have known these things. The other instances when there's a gun to your head, and you don't know how to take a gun away, a snub nose 357 Magnum, like right when you open the door, the man is saying, you know, give me your purse. Come in here, right? I mean, what do you do? Like, I didn't want to be shot. Yeah. And it's one of those things, I had a gun into my head once in Mexico, and it's like, this is not a a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie where you just kick it away and fight. Like You don't know what to do. And you're thinking, there's no way this guy's going to shoot me, and that's how you get shot. And so, wait, you're you're a man that could defend himself, but you had a gun in your head, and and you didn't know what to do. You don't know what to do. What do you do? So you're an example. So even though you know... You have skills. You can defend yourself. Sometimes when you're in that situation, and I would say especially when it's a woman, because we're, of course, we're the weaker species, Mm -hmm. supposedly physically. But uh, even back then, you know, feminism's so much stronger now and defending yourself. But when you're in a situation where you've never been there before, you you panic. Mm -hmm. Like your body, there's there's this thing in psychology um, that that precedes a panic attack. And and it's uh, fight, fight flight or freeze and so if those three things happen you really can't do anything hmm. so someone would you would open the door and someone would be standing there with a gun so he would lure you up there under the auspices of wanting to have your escort services right. and then just basically just want to beat the hell out of you well he this guy actually was known to do that to all the escorts and i did not know about this until after i i actually got away from him but i had heard that he beat several people that I knew that and they ended up in the hospital Mm. but I got really blessed I got really lucky because I talked him out of it like Mm. I used psychology on him and I said why are you doing this he had the gun to my head and he was like turn around and I said why are you doing this and I'm like you know 
you're actually not supposed to be like, there's something better in your life you're supposed to be doing. And even though I wasn't who I am now, I still had this light inside of me. When I was a little girl, I went to church and I always believed in good Chris. I always believed that no matter how evil someone is, there is goodness in them. And I think that's probably why I got suckered into, you know, being in love with a pimp. Abusive relationship. Right. I saw my daddy in a lot of people because I knew my daddy had good inside of him. And so even in that moment of that man, raping me and telling me what to do. I was scared for my life, but at the same time I had this peace and calm, this common sense. I knew exactly what to say to him for him not to hurt me Hmm. in, in, in a brutal way. Right. You know, in fact, he wanted to do something more sick and more evil to me than I actually let him or allowed it to happen because I talked him out of it. Mm -hmm. I said, if you do that, I told him, look, you're just going to have to kill me because I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I can't do what you're asking me to do. Mm-hmm. You'll just have to shoot me. And I, I actually meant it. Like I was like, you know what? I am not doing it. And he didn't do it. Hmm. And he, he was actually, it sounds really crazy by the grace of God. He actually was gentle with me in the rape. Isn't that weird? It's weird, right? Like oxymoron. But um, long story short, that scared me. Like I got back from to the escort service and I told uh, the house we call her house mom I told her that I don't trust her don't ever send me another call like did you not know that guy was a rapist like what's your problem I was really upset with her and I remember going home that night and I had this beautiful house and I had just left my pimp so I was up by myself and I remember looking out the window and it overlooked the strip and and I had finally had done something good in my life I got my own place and I was trying to be independent and trying to get myself out of this lifestyle. And I remember looking at the strip and just crying, thinking, how can I go back out there tomorrow night? Because that literally like scared me to the core. Like I thought, I thought, you know what? I'm going to die. Like Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to die doing this job. Like what am I doing? How am I going to ever be proud of myself if this is all I know and if this is all I do with my life is sell myself mm-hmm. like I had desires in my heart even as a little girl to you never think even as a woman or even a young teenager well one day I'm going to sell myself no we always have these aspirations and these dreams and these visions for ourselves to do something better than where we are I mean what made you want to be a wrestler mm-hmm. As, yeah, as a li- dream, you know? I mean, yeah. right. So it was like one of your thoughts and visions for yourself. And ultimately they come from God because we're designed in his image. So I knew in my life, I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to actually, this is a funny thing. I wanted to be a reporter, mm-hmm. like, like a news reporter. I wanted to, uh, and I also wanted to be a weather girl as well. <laughs> like I, I knew one day I'd have a microphone in front of me. I just didn't know how it was going to happen. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Right. So I always thought about those things when I had these dark, dark moments and then you just push it down. You just push it down into your conscious and you just don't think about it. And you just say, Oh, come on, come on, little bear, toughen up. And that's what, what happened to me. And I think this is the same exact thing that probably, you know, if you fought a lot when you were growing up and you had abuse in your life ever, I don't know if you did as a young boy, I didn't. so you might not understand this as much, but men in the military and people that have been abused growing up, men that have served our country that have been in war, you learn to not feel that emotion. You just say, you just deny it, that it's not there, that it's not real. 
and you can get through it and you push yourself past it. And what happens is something builds inside of you that becomes so ugly and it's like, it's like a Mount Fuji that's about to burst like a real volcano. If you don't handle those feelings and process that, that junk that's inside of you. And that's ultimately what happened to me and why I think that most girls that work in the sex industry and men have this breaking point because we are abused a lot in the industry and we don't let people know what we're feeling and how it's affecting us. And what ends up happening, like it happened to me, we end up drinking a lot, doing drugs, sleeping around, trying to find someone to just love us if we don't have our trafficker around us anymore, if we got away from him because we realize he's too abusive. So then we try to search for another person that we can mold into someone we like, but that they end up becoming our trafficker as well because they find out we're making money and then we think, oh, they're my nice trafficker. They're really not a trafficker. They're just my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, at the very end of my lifestyle in 2003, you know, I hit the very end of the road for myself. And I had actually gotten out of the lifestyle in 1998, but I got with one of my tricks that took me out of the lifestyle and I became his fiance, raised his kids with him, but we had a, a wonderful business together and I lost like everything pretty much within like a year, but we lost our business that we had and our house like overnight, like within a month. And it, it just took me back to this place where I was that same girl failed, couldn't do anything right, had a bunch of money, lost it all. And I thought to myself, I can't do this again. Hmm. And I, I picked up cocaine again and I got addicted because I was basically a 90s cocaine chick, okay? <laughs> and, and one night, in which was August 2nd, 2003, I overdosed. And I think that was probably one of the greatest nights of my life, when honestly. Because it's like the night that I finally surrendered my whole soul to God, like my whole being to God. Like I literally decided I can't do this anymore. I mean, honestly, I think a lot of the times with ourselves being human and trying to find our own way in life, we come into a lot of bad places because especially women, we, we, we feel, so we go, we're hedonistic. We go towards our feelings, what feels good. And that gets us into a lot of trouble. And men can relate to this as well. I, I know you've been there mm -hmm. with yourself, with sure. your life. Of course. Like we get to this place where all the roads we think were the right road were actually the wrong ones. But what's so beautiful about God and his direction in my life at the time was that the road I thought was right became the wrong road. But at the end of that road, it became the right road. Mm. And so I hit the very rock bottom of my life and I realized that I don't want to be in control of my life anymore. And I told God, I'm done. I don't know what you want me to do, but I will never, ever turn another trick. I will never do another line of Coke. I will never pop another pill and I will never hustle anyone out, anyone out of money for the rest of my life. And that's what happened that night. It was like, it was a borderline miracle. It was a miracle because I haven't gone back since. And I've never even been tempted hmm. to go back. And I, I think that that's totally, totally Jesus, totally God. Like there's no way I could naturally do this in my own strength because all of that stuff all yeah, at once, because it was Chris, it was such a, I'm telling you, I was, I'm going to get emotional because <laughs> I'm a woman, but yeah, <laughs> I was so addicted to money and things 
nice cars. Like I would stack my money and put it in the safe. Like I'd iron it. I was like, I was extreme. Okay. And, um, I was addicted to relationships. Like I had to have the best relationship. I had to have the best sex, you know, the best clothes, you know, the best looking guy. And it's like, I realized, I think at that point in my life that none of that ever moved me any closer to happiness. Like it never took me to the place of peace. And that's ultimately where I think all of us, we always go back to that. We always look for our meaning and our purpose and it always transcends to peace. What is our purpose in our life? Is it to get more things? Is it to be on top? Because in the, in the end, what does it really matter? If it's not going to benefit other people, if it's not going to move other people to greatness or help other people from starvation or help other people out of abuse or, you know, the crazy, um, genocide wars that are going on, the thing that's going on with ISIS right now, people are being beheaded. Mm -hmm. Like if it's not going to change those situations, why am I here? Mm -hmm. What is my purpose in my life? And I think at that moment in my life, I realized that I might not know what my purpose is, but I know it's not going to be an escort, a prostitute, a drug addict, a hustler, you know, a liar. I was Jezebel in the flesh, man. Mm -hmm. I was her. I was wicked. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Amigas, see? Already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Continuing with Annie Lobert, uh, founder of Hookers for Jesus, your book is called Fallen, which was your name as an escort, Fallen. You mentioned that your trafficker uh, would beat the hell out of you over and over and over, but yet you kept going back to him. I did. Is that the addiction to the relationship or is that yes. just some of that escorts, all escorts face this? Well, what, we, what happens with us is we were very insecure because we, we, we realized that, that we think that everyone wants something from us. So we, we don't really meet any genuine relationships because if we meet a man that wants to buy us for sex, we get the money, we give him the sex or whatever. Maybe it's time or a relationship, but it's always with a price. It's always for our soul. 
right? Because some guys would just, pay, would just pay you just to hang out with you, right? Sure, yeah. sure. I mean, that happened a lot, but eventually those men ultimately wanted sex. Okay. And then some of the men that, that did want sex and wanted a relationship, they were a little bit psycho where they really thought that they could take me out of the business and they fell in love with me. And because they were so overzealous for that relationship, I didn't want it. So I told them up front, look, this is business. You're paying me these thousands of dollars, but Dude, I'm not attracted to you, man. I'm just keeping it real. You do nothing for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not happy. The money's great, but I'm not happy with you. I can't live with you. I don't care if you're a multimillionaire billionaire. I can't do this, okay? I can't lie. And see, to me, those men were attracted to me because they couldn't have me. Right. And they, they, wanted, they wanted the princess, but they couldn't have her because she wasn't being sold. So ultimately, was I being sold to the ultimate degree? No, because I wasn't willing to sell my whole life to them. Just a piece, just a time, a stitch in time. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. So with the, with the girls and the abusive relationships, what happens is they have a background usually of sexual abuse in their life, which I did. 70 to 80%. So we have this very, very so low self-worth that we're not pretty enough. No one will love us enough. Nobody will respect us, honor us because we are used goods now. And so we are told by our traffickers and we are told instinctively, even by ourselves, we tell ourselves, you're not good enough. You're a whore. Let's just face it. You're a prostitute. You know, no one's really going to love you. I mean, come on, you're, you're used goods. You're dirty. Mm-hmm. Like no man's going to marry a prostitute. You know, and then I always pulled the card, but the movie, pretty woman, <laughs> you know, Richard Gere, right. he came and got her and, yeah. you know, must've been version, love, right? you know, yeah. but you know, honestly, that rarely happens, you know, and I, but I wanted that so deeply. I wanted that relationship from someone. I just wanted someone to love me, you know, and I think that, uh, every woman's desire and i think every man's desire is just to be loved ultimately by someone without strings attached Mm -hmm. unconditional love agape love the love that we have in marriage like a real marriage between a husband and a wife the lifetime like the best friend the ride or die person always going to be there for you you know never ever you know losing sight of that person being your life for the rest of your life even ultimately through eternity mm-hmm. you know so that's the kind of person i wanted but i think what happens with what what happened with me and my friends and a lot of the girls that i know is that we know instinctively that we're not lovable to other people mm-hmm. we're not trustworthy they look at us as whores so that we chase love and it doesn't matter if someone doesn't have it for us, we'll chase it all the more. If someone says they love us, we don't believe them. We, we refuse to believe it. So it's really twisted. Like the good people in our lives can't really rescue us because they're not a challenge to us. Because we're so twisted in our thinking. We want someone that's a challenge because we don't believe we're worth it. So when someone does tell us they love us, we don't believe them. So we throw them away. But the ones that say they love us, we watch their actions that show they don't. So we still chase them to see if they do. Right. And I think that's called dating, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I think almost it's it's almost uh, if you're talking about a war prisoner, it's called the Stockholm syndrome. It is. It is a Stockholm syndrome. That's what you had with with, with your trafficker. Because these horrific beatings that you're describing in this book. This is not just a smack in the face Hollywood style. Shut up, girl. It, bones cracking bones yeah. cracking uh, the trunk of the car yeah i mean there's just some horrific things that happened to you but you still went back i did um 
I, I really wanted to believe, Chris, and it's the DV model, which is domestic violence. If anyone wants to Google that later after they listen to this, but there's a, a sex trafficking will. There's also a domestic violence will. And what happens is it's a cycle. So your abuser, he gets to know you. You don't know he's your abuser yet. So you're hanging out. He moves really fast. He's like, I love you. You're like, you too? Yes, I love you. I can't stop looking at you. You just do it for me. Like you, you've changed my whole life. Like, you know, buys you roses, takes you to like a movie. Let's move in together. It's like the first week you just started dating. You're like, okay. So they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they know because they look for that insecurity in you. They look for that little girl that never got the love from her daddy and they take advantage of that. And what ends up happening is you trust that person, you move in with them and then maybe the abuse doesn't happen right away. It might take a couple months for that to manifest. They slowly start dismantling your world and they take your identification. They put your family down. They don't want you to talk to your family. Mm. They tell you that all your friends are out to get you. So they start putting you in this bubble where you're just with them and you're there in their world. And then pretty soon that's when like the heavy abuse, you know, this might happen prior to that, but honestly what happens is the girl's we think that our trafficker is our entire world. We think that uh, he's the only person that's ever going to really love us and everyone else is against us, including the police. So we don't even think the police as our friend. Like the only people in our life are our traffickers, our wife-in-laws, or other girls in the industry. Would you say wife-in-law? Yeah, that's a girl that shares your pimp. Oh. It's called the stable. Wow. Okay. Yeah, they call them wifeys. A stable. A so stable. Did you have like, like a horse stable? I got you. Yeah, a yeah, stable. Yeah. Did you have? Uh, I did. How many in the stable was there? Uh, well, four, three, two depends. Does that cause jealousy? I think the among, most we had five among oh, each other. Oh yes. Oh, trust me. There's cat games. But you know what I did? Because I'm pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> I got to know these other women and actually just felt really bad for them. And then some of the girls were underage, Chris. Hmm. I'd, and I would find out later and then I would get beat up for it because I would tell them the police are going to come. And, uh, but what ended up happening is I never played the card of enemy with them. I always became their friend and actually started to like them and feel bad for them. And then I would convince them to leave. Hmm. I would tell them, look, he doesn't love you there. Here's a love letter from him to me here. Why don't you read it? And then why don't you back your stuff when you get done? And then I would lie to him and say, Oh, you know, she just left. I don't know what happened to her. I, she took off. She didn't show up for the call. She didn't show up at the at the escort service when I went and picked her up. She wasn't there. And he would always say, oh, man, she's a punk. And I'd say, yeah, she sure was. But inside, I was like, she got away good. Mm-hmm. you know. But you couldn't get away. And at the time, I couldn't. And then there was instances where I didn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. What was the uh, circumstances to him throwing you in the trunk of his car? He had gotten wind from one of my girlfriend's friends that heard from her over an eavesdrop conversation over a cell phone that I was going to leave him. And I was actually leaving that weekend and he was leaving out of town as well. But he, when he was packing, I remember, I remember the day it happened because I was watching television and I was getting ready to go to work and I was going upstairs, to take a shower. And I heard the, the gun and he was like, come here. And he had the gun to my head and he was like, I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, you'll see. And he opened up the garage and he had a body bag next to the, the car. And 
well, I don't know. Maybe I don't know what you consider a body bag, but it was a, a bag to put my body in. He had zippers on it mm-hmm. and he had gloves on and uh, he had gloves in the garage. Anyway, he put the gloves on and he had rope and he had like some socks. Okay. And I really didn't understand what the socks were for at the time, but he made me get in the trunk and then he tied me up and he put uh, the sock in my mouth and then he closed the trunk and um, he started the car. It was a Benz. Mercedes. If you're going to die, go out in style, I guess. Right. And, um, he started the car and the garage was shut and I was just, I was freaked. I mean, I was freaked out like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, obviously the way to uh, kill someone is to let them fall asleep. It's an easy death, right? You can turn the car on and basically leave it. Carbon monoxide. Half an hour, an hour goes by. You're dead basically. Right. Breathe right. your own the fumes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, breathing the toxic fumes. And I, I somehow got the uh, stocking out of my mouth, and I started singing. And, you know, honestly, Chris, I was so panicked at that moment in time that I, I just remember laying there, and I remember the position I was on, on my right shoulder laying down and with my hands behind my back, and I was thinking to myself, is some way I can kick, like, the, you know, the lights out? You know, somehow mm-hmm. I can just kick it out. But then I'm thinking to myself, well, what, what would I do? Because the garage is closed, you know, he's got the gun. Right. You know, and I just started singing. What were you singing? I started singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Wow. That's all. I mean, that song came to my head because I thought, if there's anyone that could get me out of this, it would have to be God. So I started singing that song and my ex-pimp heard me and he, fl- he, he flipped the trunk open and he was like, B. You can fill in the blank. He goes, you're crazy. He untied me. He said, get out. He's like, you're lucky, B. You're lucky I'm not, I'm not doing it today. And not killing you. Yeah. And you know what? He packed his stuff and he left. And I left that night. He knew wow. it was coming. But I left that night. He let me. I mean, he basically, I think, he, I think he was thinking in his head, she's probably going to do it anyway. What, what good is she to me if, if, if I kill her now? And mm-hmm. then I, I get status for murder right if he gets in trouble for murder and it's like um i ended up going back to him anyway after that believe it or not Gosh. it took three months but i went back to him isn't that crazy you just can't escape yeah it's the- yeah i was i was um i was really messed up and and you know finally the last the last time i went back to him um it's like i had he had cut my hair off he cut your hair off he did and stripped me wow. totally nude in front of six other pimps and in your house, it was actually in a pimp's lair. It was in a pimp's a house. Pimp's lair. I call it a lair because wow, yeah. it's like a black widowed right, sure, web right, sure. lair. That's a great uh, description. And that night, that night, I thought I was going to die. Like compared to the night in the trunk, that was nothing. Like when he cut my hair off and had me totally naked in front of these other pimps, and I wasn't ashamed about my body as much as what he was doing to me. Because I had been naked in front of other men before, but it was the things he was saying to me and the way he was talking to me and spitting on me and, you know, pistol whipping me and hitting me in front of them and blood every, I mean, there was, it was a white carpet. There was blood everywhere. I know that pimp was pissed because his carpet was trashed. He had to get the carpets replaced for sure. There's no way he didn't. So. Just basically beating you in front of all these other people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, I realized, you know, honestly, even though I went back to him, I was with him for maybe two, three weeks after that. I realized that it was never going to change mm-hmm. and that this was who he was. 
And I, I don't want to say that lightly because honestly, it's not who he really was. There's something on people that abuse other people that they've become an abuser because they were abused first. It's the same thing that happened to my daddy. And what happens is they become the person that is the hunter. Mm. And because they can't deal with their own trauma, so they become so frustrated. It happens in psychology with people that have been abused where either they become the victim or they become the abuser because they, they want to take control of the abuse. So now they become the tough guy. And it's a really sick, twisted thing, but they end up beating the people that they love the most and hurting hmm. the people that they love the most. It's kind of you can't get away because you love this person so much and he can't stop beating you because he loves you so much. I don't, you know what? I don't, as much as we could love, right? Because really warped. I don't know at the time if he could love anyone Mm -hmm. because he didn't love himself. And I don't know if I could really love anyone because I didn't love love myself. And, and I'm not, again, we're not making excuses for abuse. Mm -hmm. This is not a, a, Hey, just stay with your abuser. No, you need to get away as soon as possible because he will kill you one day, ladies or men out there, because I know men have been being abused by women as well. Mm -hmm. You need to get away from that, that abuser because you will ultimately pay with your life if you don't. And this person needs to probably be locked up, put through some extensive, extensive counseling and therapy. And I honestly think they need to be monitored for a while Mm -hmm. by probation, you know, because again, these, these type of people, they're, uh, they're PTSD, basically survivors. They've got it too. They're just manifesting in a different way. You know, if you think about the war soldiers, when they come home from war, a lot of them, either they become real docile, they drink themselves into a wheelchair and they become beggars, right? Mm-hmm. And lose their mind. Or some of them get therapy, they get better, and they move on in their life, which is a small percentage. There's like 70% that actually develop serious PTSD. And a lot of them become addicts, and some of them become violent mm. with their family, with their friends. Right. They have anger problems, anger issues, and some of them kill themselves. It would seem to me that, like, as the trafficker, you know, as your boss, so to speak, if he's going to beat you up and, and, and bruise your face and all that sort of stuff, isn't that like kind of hurting his own moneymaker? Absolutely. I, I think that at the time with certain um, people that are abusive that, that are the traffickers, some of them don't think because they're hotheads. Mm. And they're always thinking about their backup plan as well. Maybe they're, I don't know, with mine, he would hit me on my body, but also on my face. My face was his target for some reason, but I've known other pimps that with girlfriends that I've had that they abuse them. They never touch their face and they would burn them with their curling irons or they would take wire hangers, believe it or not, and hit them with the wire hangers or they would take the belt belts, leather belts and whip them. Whip you with that. Yeah. Like inhumane acts of terror and uh, one of my girlfriends the the pimp used to fill up the bathtub with ice and he would you know dunk her in the ice her whole body and just make torturing her, yeah make you stay in there as punishment and you know at, at that point of torture it's like chinese water torture you can't take it anymore mm-hmm. you you just you snap and you do whatever they want you don't want to feel that pain mm-hmm. and so again the traffickers way of controlling us and the, the women that they do today is the torture aspect of it. 
they remember what it feels like to be in that position. They don't want to experience that ever again, mm. you know, and people eventually, you know, some of the ladies like me, we snap where we can't take it anymore and we run or I've known girls that have killed their pimps. I was going to say that. You would They've think killed that them. would be. There's been several cases. We, we see the movie Monster. That was based right. on, you know, she killed her tricks. Mm-hmm. She killed her clients. She snapped. It's like a praying mantis or black there, widow like you mentioned. Yeah. Right. And there's a girl that just got out of jail. Uh, Sarah. Her name's Sarah Cruzan. She actually uh, planned her pimp's murder. Hmm. And she killed him. She snapped. He started pimping her when she was 12. So from a court of law, I mean, is that something that you can go to? I mean, I guess you go to jail for, but wouldn't that be something like self-defense? Well, if it's premeditated, they don't consider it self-defense. Yeah. But this one girl in particular, Sarah, she, I believe she was started getting pimped out when she was 12. Mm-hmm. And at 16, she killed him. Wow. And uh, I guess he was pretty physically abusive with her. And she just snapped. And shot him from behind, I think it was, with a pistol. Did you ever see, like you mentioned, that the cops would chase you out of the casinos and stuff. Was there any cops that were like trying to help you or trying yes, to be nice to you? Yes, absolutely. Uh, there was several vice that were very mean. But I don't want to say their names because we don't want to call them up. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> there was a couple that were really nice. And one of them was Bill Young and, and David Logue, Detective David Logue. And what are they saying to you? Like, Annie, come on. Yeah, they were they were really concerned about me. They didn't like my pimp. And they were begging me to get away from him. And I did eventually, obviously, but they were really concerned. They, they told me several different occasions, you know, I'm afraid the next time I see you, you're going to be dead, Mm -hmm. you know, and especially the last time Bill Young saw me after my ex pimp had cut my hair off. And I I honestly look like Frankenstein. I wish, I think I might have pictures somewhere. I thought I took pictures. And again, this was... You know, in the nineties, but just grabbing your hair and just randomly chopping it so it's I'm telling up all you, I, I was unrecognizable. It wasn't even just the hair. My whole face was oh. a balloon. Like my eyes disappeared, like in my nose there was no nose. My eyes were so uh. like I couldn't hardly see. And for sure had a concussion. But he saw me like that. And he started crying. Wow, it's a vice officer. Yeah, and he he said, you know, I he was I, I can't I can't let this go on anymore, Lobert. You have to leave. You have to stay away from him. He's like, I I can't. I couldn't live with myself if 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 you end up dead. Like, mm-hmm. what what can I do for you? Here's my number. Call me. I mean, I had I had all the vice numbers. Like, I could call him if I needed their help. You know, and I eventually did call him. But uh, it wasn't a snitch. I never, mm-hmm. I was never part of that snitch crew. But that's the street logo. That's the thing. Even though yeah, they're not going to snitch, even though you have all this stuff happen to you. you. You just, you know, the girls nowadays too, I, I, I commend a lot of the ladies that are actually, and I don't even want to call it snitching, getting justice for what's right. happened to them. Because these traffickers bank their whole money on women that are afraid and men that are afraid. You know, it's, just, it's the mob. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, I call it the, the, the pit mafia. They want us to be afraid of them. So we keep silent, but guess what? <laughs> Social media has given us a voice. Wow. And we're not afraid anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's so many girls coming out of the woodwork and I'm so proud of all the women and all the men that I've talked to that are finally talking about the abuse 
because it's now giving us a face. We're not just a whore. We're never, we were never actually a whore. We're someone's daughter. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not a prostitute. We're, we're, we're a princess. We're, we're a beautiful woman. We're, we're entrepreneurs. We're, we're fashionistas. We're housewives. We're, uh, you know, business owners. We're, we're artists. We're musicians. We're fashion models. We're, you know, we're, we're women that can change the world and men. That's who we really are. Our original design was twisted by the devil, by these these men and these women with evil desires that want to use us and abuse us and put the, put us in their slave slavery system of human trafficking. Mm-hmm. So, and, and again, we're, I'm not here to bash them, but we have to realize that there is a principality and power way bigger than what's going on with them itself. Mm-hmm. That's actually making them want to do this. And it's called lust, greed and desire. Seven deadly sins. Almost. Yeah, one of them. Is, is your trafficker still alive? He is. Did, 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 I mean, obviously, being a Christian, forgiveness is such an important I forgive thing. Him. You forgive him. I forgave him. What a burden to I, get I, off your shoulders. You know what? I, I, I forgave him, actually, even before I gave my life to the Lord. I honestly, like, I pray for him, and I've had dreams about him where I see him, and he falls to his knees, and he cries and he says, I'm so sorry for what I've done to you. Mm-hmm. But in real life, he did actually come up to me and tell me that at mm-hmm. a nightclub. Wow. And he was crying. And, you know, I generally believed him. He's done that before. And I went back to him. Mm. But I think he knew I was never coming back. So whatever it's worth, I pray for him. And, and I don't know if any of the, any traffickers, any pimps listening right now, you know, I want to let you know something that you don't realize what you're actually doing. You're actually hurting yourself by doing this. And the police are out there and the FBI is out there and the CIA, and they are looking for people like you. And I'm just giving you a fair warning that why don't you guys get your life together now? Why don't you stop doing what you're doing? Fall to your knees, ask God for forgiveness and get your life right. Because there's, there's always a second chance for you too. And God loves you too. Mm. Because ultimately, Chris, all the evil in this world that's going on and people that are part of it, there's this hole inside of all of our hearts that wants to be filled so deeply. And it's, it's that affirmation hole, you know, that are we good enough? Mm-hmm. Are we important? Do we matter in life? You know, are we loved? And even though someone could take that and become the most powerful person in the world and do the best good with it at the same time when they realize that purpose in their life, the evil side can get a hold of someone and they could take that and use that power for evil. And that's what's happened to, with trafficking. You know, people that have this awesome possible life they could be living, powerful life to change and help people, they're using it for the evil greed of, mm-hmm. you know, power mm-hmm. and and desire and you know just their own selfishness which is awful i mean that's satanism basically sure what was your um mindset when you put together uh hookers for jesus what did what did you want to do you know i didn't know in the beginning actually i just knew that i needed to t- talk to all the women that 
I used to work with. And I had this compelling feeling because I had been so set free and I, I felt so loved and so at peace with my life. And I was broke, <laughs> broker than a joke. Because and, all your money was gone yeah. over the years of making thousands, hundreds of thousands. My beautiful cars were gone, my money, my, my clothes. I had some of my outfits, but it didn't matter because things go in and out of style. And <laughs> But what the most important thing I had was was my self-respect and my peace and my love for... You had your life back. Yeah, I had my life back and I was finally free. And honestly, when you're free, you don't care what people think anymore. You just go wherever, wherever you know you need to go. And I just had this message inside of me and I really felt it was God to go down to the Las Vegas Strip where we are right now and tell those women, tell those ladies that they're loved that they're loved and they don't have to sell their bodies to prove that they're loved. They don't have to make a bunch of money to prove they're loved. They don't have to have sex with a bunch of men and strangers and, 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 and search men to have a relationship with just to prove that they're loved, that they're loved without that, mm -hmm. that their bodies don't need to be part of that. Like they can be loved being a virtuous woman. They don't have to, they can actually be celibate and be respected and honored and loved. And I think that's even something that's even attractive nowadays because our whole world's having sex with everyone, right? Mm -hmm. But what's really attractive to a lot of people now, there's like a new trend, holding on to their purity, walking in virginity, believe it or not. And that's something really sacred. And I wanted to tell the women that God loved them no matter what, what they'd done, no matter where they've been. And so that's what started Hookers for Jesus. And the name itself on purpose, I picked a crazy name, not just out of my own past, but I kept hearing people call me in, you know, in my mind from my past whore, hooker, oh, you're just a hooker. Look at you, just a hooker. And I thought, you know what, what better way to catch people's attention than to pull them in with the name Hookers for Jesus? It's such a catchy name. Like it's eye catching. You look at it and go, what is that? Yeah. What are those girls doing? And it's right in your face. It is. And I, and, and that's the whole idea of it, but it's not just a provocative name. It's, a, it's actually a fishing name too. So there's a scripture, Matthew four nineteen. the first four disciples that Jesus called to follow him were fishermen. So he says to them in Matthew four nineteen, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. Mm -hmm. And that I was like, that's it. <laughs> Hookers for Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so that became the name. And I, it's been with me since 2005. So yeah. So what kind of reactions do you get when you walk down the strip and talk to certain ladies, escorts? You, oh, man. What do you tell them? What do they say to you? They want to hear it. They tell you to F off. Yeah, you know? I've had that. That's awesome when they do that. Cause I'm like, <laughs> Well, God loves you. Yeah. You know what? God loves you anyway. Like, mm -hmm. but you know, you don't, you don't just come up to people and be like, yo, yo, God loves you. Like, seriously, you, there's always a meeting point between each other. Like, oh my gosh, like it's a girl thing, but Hey, I love your hair. Like, oh my gosh, where'd you get your hair done, girl? Yeah. Oh my gosh, where'd you get your shoes? Like those red bottoms? Oh, your Louis Vuitton purse is like, that's the business. I love it. Like, where'd you get it? Like, that is so awesome. Like there's always this open conversation or with me, I can have a real conversation with a girl that's working because I can say, hey, girl, what you doing? Man, security's heavy tonight. Watch yourself. And then she looks and she's like looking at you like, what? And you're like, yeah, I used to work. I know. Mm -hmm. And then like, who are you? Well, I'm, I'm just out here. Well, what are you doing? Well, I have a gift for you. And then sometimes I'll give them like a gift or something if I have something in my purse. Or sometimes I do gift bags. Ultimately, my whole goal is to just show them love. Like, hey, here's my card. My name's Annie. You know, if you ever, ever feel like, you know, you're done. Like, this is the end of the road for you. Like, 
it gets tiring doing this. Dude, 10 guys a night? Like, come on. You know, five guys or, you know, your, your boyfriend at home that's getting all your money. Like, aren't you tired? Like, aren't you afraid you're going to die? Like, have you had a violent call lately? That's what we used to call them, violent calls. We call them violence. But, um, and then that, there's a bridge that happens between me and a girl that's working where I'm letting her know that she has a place to come, that there's a safe place for her just to talk. Like, hey, let's have coffee. Hey, you know, can you meet me, have dinner, have, have lunch or something? Or, you know, if you ever decide to get away from your trafficker, if he's been abusive with you, we're the answer. We have a place called Destiny House. And it's for women like you because there's a perfect destiny for you. And it's not this. It's you, not you get a lot a of calls. Yes, wow. I do. That, that must be. We have a waiting list, actually. It's quite amazing. But it's pretty, uh, like you said, re- rewarding is the right word. But to know that your hard work is paying off and people are actually listening to what you're saying. They are. And, you know, yeah. And, and then let's talk about the other side of the coin. The girls that don't like us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had this girl, like I've had several <laughs> girls. I mean, this girl, I, she was tatted up. Beautiful. Oh, my gosh. She was like maybe 17, maybe 16 tall model it model model esque and i remember walking up to her and i was like hey girl she looks like hey i gave her a bag and i was like hey this is a gift for you she goes i don't want it i was like why she goes get out my face and she was just like stop right and i my heart was like ow but then i realized you know what she doesn't know me she doesn't understand where i've been and i don't really know her and maybe if I was that girl and some weirdo girl mm-hmm. came up to me and was like, here's a gift bag. Hi. I'd be like, get out my face. Maybe she was being defensive because maybe her pimp was right there watching her. Right. And he saw her talking to someone and he beat her down because she talked to someone. Mm-hmm. And the pimps would do that, by the way. They'll, they'll spy and they'll wait for their girls and stuff by the elevators, by the casino, by the outside, by the, by the gambling machines. And well, so you're also very easy to pick out of a crowd and with your hair. And I'm sure some of those guys know, Oh, there she is. Oh, there's don't, don't that. Talk to my Jesus girl. Ch- yeah. Take away my, my chick, you know? Yeah. They, the, the, but you know, the pimps, like I I've had enemies and I've had friends that are pimps. I mean, it, it goes both ways. I've, I've been at the bars where I've sat down and, a couple of pimps I knew came up to me. Hey, Fal, what you doing, girl? <laughs> Fal, yeah. Because that was my name. I'm Fal, like, yeah. I look at him. I'm like, man, she's dead, bro. Fallon's dead. They're like, I'm hip. I'm hip. All right, then, Annie, what's up, man? I'm like, you need to get out this lifestyle. That's what's up. <laughs> Vice is right, right over there, dude, if you want to go talk to him. Man, dude, you need, to, you need to quit. God loves you, man. Like, what are you doing, man? Mm-hmm. Any, any moment in time. Laws are cracking down on y'all. Y'all are not just facing two to six years anymore. You're getting 20 years, bro. You better get out this business. So that's basically, if a pimp gets in my face, that's what I tell him. I'm not going to be the, pull the card like, hey, man, I'm calling the cops on you right now. Here's the deal. Those guys, and not just guys, by the way, because there's women pimps too. There's madams. They ultimately need to hear the truth, that there's goodness in them that there is something inside of them that wants greatness to happen. Mm -hmm. And they're going at it the wrong way. See, Jesus never came to people and was like, man, you know what? Bad. You you know, like if you think about it, he he didn't do that. He only really rebuked the religious guys, right? The Mm -hmm. church guys, right? All the thieves, tax collectors, they were thieves, considered thieves. Look, Look what he did, Matthew. He was like, come follow me. He's like, come follow me. 
He never said, you evil tax collector. Back then, they were the thieves. They were like the, sure. the, the, the lowest of the lows. So you, you have to have that model. When you approach people, you can't, you can't throw you know, condemnation at them, rebuking at them. You've got to embrace them in a way that's respectful, that's loving, but then you have to have that boundary too. You can't let them cross the line. You, know? you let them know, look, what you're doing is not right. However... I know a God and he loves you and there's a better purpose for your life. And, and you know what, if I can get out of this lifestyle, if I can stop being a hustler, so can you. Hmm. I, I was going to mention this. I talked with Oz earlier and being, you know, with Striper being a rock and roll band, you being a former escort, do you get a lot of trouble from actual religious right? Like actual, you know, the, the, the tried and true Christians, they give you trouble for being hookers for Jesus. Does that make them angry in any oh. way? When I, especially, I still get it. I had a girl on my profile the other day talking smack to me. Oh, well, how are you hookers for Jesus? It's like, okay, get out of your bubble. Get pop it. Boom, I pop bubbles. I love it. (laughs) Honestly, you know, the Christians, a lot of them have been real cool, but there is a sect of Christians that I, you know, honestly, Chris, I think it happens in any culture, even with your wrestling culture. There's a, there's a certain, uh, way that, they want you to be there's some snobbery there yeah there is you notice it even at any church you go to yeah of course there is and it's like even in in any of the business world like we have a snobbery on wall street we have a snobbery in hollywood we have a snobbery maybe in the wrestling world i don't know how that looks for you everywhere but it's like you always have that hate crowd like they're just like they think they're better than you they're like oh nice car and they're just doing their own thing and, and you feel snubbed but then you have to remember, when you get snubbed like that, you're in good company. Because that's how they treated Jesus. Right. And they murdered him, ultimately. So, so be it. You get persecution. You get people that hate you. You know you're doing the right thing. You know, If you know in your heart you're following God, you're following the destiny that God told you to walk in, you're following his will, man, it's all good. You know, mm-hmm. Bring it on. Yell at me. Kick me out of your church. <laughs> Tell me I need to put on a bag on my head because you think I look a little too hot for your church. Hey, listen, God's still using me, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're hilarious, man. You got such great confidence and such a great vibe. You know, yeah. it's, it's well, very thanks. important. You know, well, last question. What's your favorite Striper song? Oh, my gosh. Why are you putting me on a spot like that? Oh, anyone that Oz gets a solo. You know, in. I love the song. You know, the way mm-hmm. uh, because <laughs> my husband wrote it, but I love the rock. I just love the beat and the fast because I love that. It just gets you going right when you hear it. You're like, you just, your head, you bopping your head. I love the words, but ultimately, honestly, that is one of my favorites. I don't really have a favorite, but I could say that I would say my top three. I love that song more than a man, too. More than man, God. You know the song anyway. (laughs) I don't want to have to use my vocal skills, but uh, I really love the new song that just came out. Um, I just think it's great. Yahweh. You know, Yahweh. It just, it really, that really just gets my heartstrings because I love the singing, but I love the fact that they're going through the whole crucifixion. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just so you just met. musically too the music yeah. fits that vibe. Yeah, you know? and 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 you can tell right at the end, you know, and the the music is the drive of it. Everyone, I mean, they the, the music, the way everyone's working together with the music, but at the end, there's like this climax. It's so powerful, and you just feel the emotion, 
And, uh, you know, the way Michael sings, he's screaming it. And you could tell he was like really feeling like yeah. what Jesus did. Right. You know, on that cross, like yelled out, ah, you know, and it's finished. Like it, it's real powerful. And I, I think that uh, it touches people, you know, so. And I love Honestly, too. But ultimately, my favorite song is The Way. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm looking right at my husband. Thank you so much, Annie. You're, You're awesome. Welcome. Thank, Thank you, you for having it have, it was really awesome having me on here and thanks for uh asking me all those questions because you made me go right back to where I was and it helps me stay stronger in my faith. So you're awesome too. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Annie Lobert's book is called Fallen, a fascinating read about her life as a high-class call girl in Vegas. You should check it out, and you know where you can get it, Amazon. If you do, please use the Talk is Jericho links to buy it. Support Annie and your favorite podcast with one click. Just go to podcastone.com, click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. All my Amazon links are there. Amazon, easiest way to support Talk is Jericho. You can get just about anything you want on Amazon, uh, and whatever you buy, all you Talk is Jericho Amazon War. Warriors, send me a pic of what you got on Amazon, and I will uh, I'll retweet it, and I will follow you on the Twitter at Talk Is Jericho. Go do it now! Don't forget, I got links all over the world, links for the USA, the UK, Canada as well. Every time you use Talk Is Jericho Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage to this show to help us cover production costs. No hidden fees or extra charges. Just go to podcastone.com, click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page, then hit Talk Is Jericho. All my other uh, great sponsors there as well: DDP Yoga. And the DDP Yoga Now app. It's an amazing piece of technology. You're going to check it out. Go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho and get three free months of the DDP Yoga Now app, which is going to help you get in the best shape of your life. Then go to Works Switch Driver. Use my promo code Chris and you get 10% off your order and free shipping and become a handyman, finally. Uh, don't forget Uber. Drive with Uber. A guitar center. Buy a, buy a guitar. Give the gift of music. Uh, give the gift of, of listening to Talk is Jericho, which I appreciate. Thank you for listening. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. And next week, we got the Summer Movie Preview Spectacular with uh, the returning Team Tiger Awesome. Yes, ridiculosity ensues as we talk about the biggest movies of the summer. That's next Wednesday. We'll see you then. Stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.